Hi, everybody. This is your host, Michelle Ann Olson, and welcome to Episode 8 of Are You Afraid of the Bark? I'm excited to have made it to Episode 8. That's as far as we got with the previous version of this podcast. We took a step back, starting things over with myself as the solo host, and here we are all caught up with Episode 8. I'm really happy with how things are going. I've really been enjoying presenting the podcast as your sole host, and I hope that you've been enjoying listening since the relaunch as well. I'm also really happy to be back in my own apartment, in my own space. I'm no longer at the big Victorian house cat sitting, so I've been sleeping a lot better. Thanks for asking. Thanks for caring. Coco's, I think, happy to have me back. She's been a little bit aloof as I've been gone for 10 days. You know how cats are. She'll take a little bit of time to forgive me, but I'm certainly glad to be back with her and to have her sleeping at the foot of the bed again. She's the best. Today's topic, I think, is a really sweet one, and it's an emotional one. So Coco, my adopted cat, I've had her now for six years, I think. She's seven, and honestly, she's, I've said it a hundred times, and I mean it, she's like my best friend. I adopted her from the Humane Society in Ottawa, and in the years following her adoption, I went through some really difficult times personally in terms of my health and my mental well-being. And having her as my pet and my friend and a constant companion and a reason to get out of bed if only to feed her or clean her litter box, you see that cliched who saved who sort of hashtag or concept. But sure, I adopted her from the Humane Society, but she has just saved me and made me a better and stronger person on so many occasions just by being my pet, by being a part of my family. So today's topic I find a little bit emotional because the thought of ever losing Coco, I try not to dwell on it. I know that this is the burden that we take on as pet owners, that their lives are short and sweet, and we will likely see more than one pet pass over the course of our own lives. And it's worth it to be able to give animals who need a home the care that they deserve. But the thought of Coco one day passing, like, <laughs> like I've, it makes, I've got tears brimming, like in the bottom, like thinking about it is just horrible. So this topic is the topic of pets who came back, of pets who did pass, but who came back to their owners in some form or another after their death. And I pray that when Coco passes, that she'll still be around in some shape or form. Like getting really, really emotional thinking about this. So these stories to me are sad, but so sweet. And a few of them a little bit creepy as well. A lot of these stories I'm going to be reading verbatim in the words of the people who experienced them. They've come to me from all kinds of different sources, newspaper articles, Reddit, sort of blog posts about what happens to pets after they die. There are several topics related to this idea of pets coming back to visit their owners. One of those topics being uh, the idea of communicating with their pets after they pass. Pet, not fortune tellers, but psychics are a growing trend. That kind of stuff, like the concept of of pets having a soul and where they go after we pass and, and potentially maybe being able to communicate with them and that growing industry and whether it's sort of bogus or not. Those are all concepts that I'd like to explore at some point on this podcast, but for now, I'm just going to tell these stories of pets who came back to their owners. Also, one last thing before I begin, the survey was kind of out 
on whether the episode recorded on my phone sounded better than the episodes I record at my desktop. So if you have any feedback to offer about that, the episode recorded on my mobile phone was episode seven. If you think that it sounded better, please let me know. I'm still working out the kinks of my sound and like editing and what sounds best. Today in my apartment, unfortunately, there is quite a bit of street construction happening outside. So if you can hear that in the background, I do apologize. There's not a lot I can do about it. I'm frustrated because it's like my first day off in my bed to sleep in and I've got this construction going on outside as of 7 a.m. but what else is new? So let me know your thoughts on kind of sound quality episode 7 versus the others. Obviously I just want to try to present like as clean a sound as possible. I know it makes a big difference in the podcasts that I listen to and most enjoy. So let's let's start the episode. Let's get this show on the road. My first story is one that was told to a blog by a woman named Chloe Newman, although the blog specifies that this was not her real name, which is interesting. She didn't want her name associated with this story. I'm not quite sure why. So this is a story about Chloe's experience with her dog, Lucy. Chloe's first encounter with Lucy, I mean, this is very much, it reads like a bedtime story. Like, this is pretty spectacular. Chloe was driving along a stretch of highway in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was a cold and damp January night when she spotted a small old dog sort of making her way across the road and not paying attention to the speeding cars around her. And this old dog was obviously pregnant. So Chloe says, quote, Somehow she made it to the other side of the highway alive. I pulled over and coaxed her to my car with a can of cat food I had on hand. End quote. So Lucy was a beagle, and she had no teeth, and she seemed lethargic and malnourished. Chloe immediately turned the car around and headed for a veterinary hospital. There, Lucy's age was estimated to be around 12 years old too old to be carrying a litter. Numerous pregnancies had left her belly scarred and covered with cysts and she had lost her teeth, and the vet guessed that she had been kept at a puppy mill and had tried to chew her way out of the pen. So the vet had to surgically remove the pups, who at this point were already dead. And he estimated that Lucy didn't have long to live. But against all odds, when Chloe brought Lucy into her home to recover, Lucy lived for another four years. So Chloe and Chloe's mother, they just loved Lucy. She became lively and affectionate and thrived under their care. And apparently Lucy in life, after her recovery, just had this like air about her of life that caused people and other animals to gravitate toward her. She was just such a source of joy in Chloe's life, in in the life of herself and her mother. She said, it was strange, but when I felt sick or depressed, I could hold her and I would feel better. And no other pet had this effect on me. Eventually, though, old age did catch up with Lucy. She stopped eating and the vet determined that she had kidney failure. And eventually, Chloe had to make the very difficult decision to put Lucy down. So Chloe said that she was so distraught after coming back from that vet appointment that she had to take a few sleeping pills in order to be able to find a few hours of rest. At some point during the night, Despite the sedative, Chloe was woken up by a familiar sound in her home. Quote, I may have been groggy, but I know what I heard. There was a loud snoring sound coming from the den where Lucy's big pillow lay. End quote. 
So Chloe got out of bed to investigate and the pillow was empty. But she told her story to her mother over breakfast and her mother said that she too had heard Lucy snoring in the night. Chloe and her mother left Lucy's favorite pillow where it had always been and for weeks they could hear her softly snoring from that her favorite spot. Now one day they decided to experiment and they moved the pillow into a storage closet. So they didn't hear any snoring that night. But the next day when they woke up, the pillow was back in Lucy's favorite spot and it appeared crushed or indented as though someone had been lying on it. Quote, it must have been Lucy. She came home and is still here in spirit. We'll leave the pillow there for her until she decides to move on. End quote. And to this day, Chloe and her mother can still hear the sound of Lucy snoring contentedly from that spot on her old favorite pillow. So I think that that is a really, really lovely story. And I have to wonder at what point Lucy will decide to move on. But I'm sure it's comforting to her owners to have her around in that way, even after her death. Moving on now to some stories that were told to the very reliable newspaper, the Daily Mail. I love this newspaper because no topic is sort of too strange or too unbelievable or too supernatural for them to report on. And I'm going to read some of these stories verbatim. These stories were submitted by readers to the paper, and I've picked a few of my favorites. And again, just really, really emotional and lovely stories. So here we go. This first came from a gentleman named David Linton. Quote, To say it was hard to go on following the death of Bluey, our Bedlington Terrier, is an understatement. Four days after she died, I woke up at 2.30 a.m. hearing a noise of flapping ears and a chink of a name tag on the collar. This was the sound Bluey made when she got up in the night for a drink of water. My wife told me I must have been dreaming, but the exact same thing happened again. A week later, my wife was sitting on the patio when she felt a nudge on her leg, but no one was around. Bluey used to do this regularly when she was in the garden to get our attention. Later that day, she heard scratching at the kitchen door, similar to Bluey pushing it open with her paws when it was tea time. Another time, my wife experienced a strange feeling that Bluey was in the room, and she put her hand down to stroke her. And once, incredibly, I saw Bluey walking past the bedroom door. It was only a brief sighting, but she appeared as her younger self. The final time I woke in the night and heard Bluey's ears flapping, the sound was very distant. We felt very privileged to have our beloved Bluey come back to see us on numerous occasions. Now she feels all is well with us. She can rest in peace. End quote. Isn't it so lovely to think that our pets could love us so much? <laughs> I'm really getting emotional. This whole, why did I pick this topic? Like, I'm not strong enough for this topic. It's hard because working in a veterinary clinic, I've been there in the final moments between people and their pets. And it's never easy. And I just wanted to say, not to get preachy or anything, but if you are ever having to put down a beloved pet, please, if you can, try to be strong enough to stay in the room with them in those final moments. Because as a technician, and I get it, I know that it's so hard, but those times when the owner is simply not able to be with their animal in those final moments... As a technician, I would try to give every bit of comfort I could to hold them and stroke them. And we use the warmest and our best blankets, you know, not the ones that are stained or scruffy. But there, 
to your animal, you being there in their final moments is so important. And if you can, if you, if at all possible, try to be strong enough to do that for them. But what's amazing about these stories to me is that these animals seem to be coming back just to make sure that their owners are okay. After death, it's like their roles are reversed. We do everything in our lifetime to care for them and to give them the best possible life. But maybe after they die, they worry about us and how we're doing. And that seems to be the case with Bluey. Bluey would only leave when she was sure that her owners were like, okay, and we're going to be okay after her passing. Isn't that just so beautiful? Oh no, this one's about a cat. I love dogs, I do, but being a cat lover and having had cats my whole life, hearing about the cats is hardest for me. So this was another story shared with the Daily Mail by a woman called Jean Simons. Quote, Eight years ago, I had a lovely black cat called Neville. One afternoon, a lady knocked on my door and told me she had run over my cat, and for two weeks I was truly devastated. One night I could not sleep and went downstairs to make a drink. And there, in the kitchen, to my utter shock, I saw Neville looking at me. It lasted for just a few seconds before he disappeared, but I felt so much better because I knew he was okay. To this day, I can sometimes feel him walking over me in bed. End quote. And by the way, I'm not going to try and explain away these stories through natural phenomena or tricks of light, or all the other ways in which we explain away ghost stories. I take them at face value. Regardless of what's happening, of whether or not these stories can be explained, I think these owners are seeing exactly what they need to see and hearing exactly what they need to hear, and believing that it is their animal, and if that's what they need, there's no point in trying to explain away these stories with, like, scientific phenomena. I'm just kind of going to read them and take them at face value, and I think that's important. All right, here's another from Janet Smith. Quote, The first time I was aware a pet's soul existed was at the home of a friend I hadn't seen for some months. I suddenly thought that her dog, a large black Labrador, Ben, was unusually quiet. Whenever I had been before, he had bounded down the hallway barking before being hustled off to the kitchen by my friend. This particular day, I was looking through the open doorway into the hall where I saw Ben padding past. Oh, he's fine, I thought, and carried on chatting to my friend. Sometime later, though, she said, of course, you didn't know Ben had died. I kept it to myself that I had just seen him. Years later, I was not surprised to trip over the recumbent body of my much-beloved Labrador, Sally, in her customary place between the kitchen and living room doorway some weeks after she'd had to be put to sleep. Out of habit, I said, sorry. End quote. From Barbara Mercy, quote, When our dear old border collie Glenn died aged 15, we were distraught. He never slept in the bed we had bought him as a puppy, preferring a blanket in the stairwell. Every morning he would push open our bedroom door and visit my side of the bed for a pat before going around to my husband's side. The morning after he died, our bedroom door opened and I said, Glenn's here. I put my hand down and felt his fur. Then it faded away. That night I dreamed that he was... <laughs> Sorry, I'm like... Oh my god. I'm getting really emotional. This is like my second last story. I don't think I'm gonna make it. Oh no, it's my my third last story. Okay, I'm going to be strong. That night I dreamed that he was running free in a field with other dogs. It was as though he was assuring me that he was happy and at peace. For a long time afterwards, we took a big step over the place where he had slept, 
to avoid treading on him, end quote. From Irene Wilson, quote, Our Border Terrier Tara was wonderfully loyal as well as feisty and full of character. A big dog in a little dog's body, people used to say when they met her. At 13, she was suffering from cancer and the awful day came where I had to put her down. It was one of the most distressing days I can remember. Not least because after the vet had pronounced her dead, Tara appeared to sigh and moved with a sort of convulsion. The vet told me this physical reaction to a fatal anesthetic was quite common, but it seemed to me as if her spirit was leaving her body. I returned home very upset and lay down on my daughter's bed, the bed which Tara used to sneak onto during the day, thinking of the little friend I had lost. Then suddenly from the toy box in the bedroom came an electronic voice that clearly said, Goodbye. It was an old toy computer that hadn't been used for years. To this day, I am convinced it was Tara reassuring me that all was well, a last farewell to tell me she was at peace. End quote. So two things here. If you ever have to put an animal down, be sure to really talk to the vet and to the vet tech about what that's going to look like. I assure you that if it's a good veterinarian, he will walk you through exactly the drug protocol he's going to use and what sedation and eventual, like, the eventual deliverance of the medication that causes the heart to stop. He'll explain to you exactly what it's going to look like. Like that convulsion that she experienced, I'm sure that it was upsetting. And I really hope that her veterinary team like made super clear that that was not a pain response, that that was a normal physiological response. If you have any questions about the medications being used by your veterinarian, your veterinary team in that moment about what could happen or, or what those drugs like do physiologically, what you might see and what it means. Ask those questions, get them to explain it so that you're not left second guessing your decision or wondering if your animal felt pain. A good veterinary team is going to make this experience as peaceful as possible. But like ask those questions beforehand because I hate the thought of an owner going home and having to wonder if their animal was hurting. And like I know what those physiological responses mean and that they're not a sign of pain, but I see how they could be upsetting. So just ask all the questions and a good team is really going to put your mind at ease. As a secondary comment on that story, I don't know if you've ever heard of the theory that ghosts or spirits are able to access electronics in order to make them like spirit boxes where they access the electronic speech box and are able to like manipulate its energy easier than they would manipulate the energy of a living thing in the room to speak to people and these spirit boxes talk in this like computer voice. It never occurred to me that like an animal spirit could potentially do that with an electronic. That seems to be what's happening in this story. It's an interesting concept. Maybe again something I can touch on maybe in a future episode about the ways in which people Oh my god, that was <laughs> computer notification <laughs> I just jumped like like five feet out of my chair oh my god why do I do this to myself I'm like 
laugh crying. I'm so scared right now. Anyway, um, maybe I'll touch on like the concept of like animal EVPs or the ways in which we try to contact our animal friends after they've died. Again, in like a whole other episode, it seems like its own topic. So this is my final story. Thank goodness, because I don't know if I can like hold on anymore. And this story came from a Reddit user called Depthacode. And I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. This is interesting because this story also touches on a cultural belief that animals are able to take the place of a human's suffering in their death. That's another topic that I'll have to look into further because I had never heard of that before. It it seems like a cultural belief that's worth exploring maybe in its own episode. So here we go. Here's my final story. Quote, 12 years ago, my family had a pug that my brother named Jobu, and he was one of the most awesome dogs I've ever had. When Jobu was maybe one and a half or two years old, my dad got a very bad case of influenza and was bedridden for weeks. I would go days without seeing him since he was confined to his room all the time. My parents' culture have this superstition that if a human member of the house was ill, an animal will sacrifice itself to save them. Suddenly one day, Jobu stopped being so playful and refused to eat his food. We took him to the vet and they couldn't find anything wrong with him, and we found him dead a few days later in the backyard. Miraculously, my father's illness seemed to just disappear. My family believes that Jobu sacrificed himself to save my dad. We buried him under a big pepper tree in the backyard. Incidentally, my brother said that before Jobu died, he would see an apparition of a white woman standing under that same tree and watching him while he smoked out in the yard at night. After he buried Jobu there, the woman seemed to be chased around the tree, and he could hear Jobu's growl. Eventually, she stopped appearing. That Jobu, still looking out for our family, even after he's gone. End quote. Oh, what a good boy. What... What good boys and girls, these animals that come into our hearts for such a short time and make such a lasting impact, even leaving behind physical impressions on pillows and blankets after they've gone. It's really amazing. I'm so glad to have had animals in my life my whole life, and I'm so glad to have made animals my like my career they're just so good to us and i'm just grateful they've made my life better so thank you very much for listening to this episode eight i hope that i haven't utterly depressed you and that you're leaving with a little smile on your face like i am go hug your cat or your dog or your bunny or your bird or whatever animals are in your life go give them a squeeze and thank them for everything that they give you and make it your personal mission to give them everything in their short lives. That's what I try to do for Coco every day. As always, you can reach me in a number of ways at afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com, A-Y-A-O-T-B podcast on Facebook, Afraid of the Bark podcast on Instagram, and Afraid of the Bark on Twitter. Leave us a review, or me. I don't know why I keep saying us. It's just me. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. It's very helpful. And I found out through looking at the statistics on my Buzzsprout page, which is the host for this podcast, like it hosts my sound files, that I have some listeners kind of all over the place. Not a ton of you, but kind of dispersed across North America and Europe and even a few in Africa. And that's really, really cool. So thank you for finding this podcast and for listening. I'm really glad to know that you're out there. And now uh, 
I'm going to conclude this episode eight and go give Coco a big old furry squeeze. She's fat, so it feels amazing. (laughs) She gives the best hugs. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, I wish you and all of your fur babies sweet dreams tonight. Thank you for listening. Ha ha ha!